Welcome back to the conversation. You know, globally, people are trying to get comfortable with face coverings. Policies are all over the map. In Paris, a museum requires masks for children 11 and under. Here in Hawaii, masks are not recommended for those under five years old. Today, our guests are Dr. Jill Amori. She serves as the infectious disease officer for the city and county of Honolulu. She is the director of medical education at the University of Hawaii's John A. Burns School of Medicine and is a family physician. Uh, good morning, Dr. Amori. Good morning. And Sherry Minor McNamara is President and Chief Executive Officer of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, which represents more than 2,000 businesses of all sizes. Uh, Sherry, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, I think when we last talked, uh, the isolation restrictions were just being relaxed. Right. Yep, exactly. So we have lots to talk about uh, as far as what your members are seeing out there. And Honolulu's Deputy Police Chief, John McCarthy, joins us to talk about what the department has been seeing in this first week of mandatory mass. Good morning, Chief. Good morning. Thanks for having us on. You know, I'd like to start off by playing a clip from the mayor's news conference when he talked about expanding those uh, mask measures that are now required. That amendment now mandates that when you're indoors, whether you're in a private office building or a public building, a government building, whether you're in an enclosed mall, you must wear a face covering like this to protect all of us. In addition, when you're outdoors, where physical distancing is not practical, you cannot practice it because you're close together, the mandate is that you also wear a face covering. And Dr. Amore, I think you were at that news conference. Uh, what's your sense uh, as to uh, compliance out there? Um, <laughs> I, I actually do think that people in Hawaii are a little bit better about uh, masking than uh, in at least clips that I've seen uh, on the mainland. However, I mean, just myself going around um, this past weekend, I saw lots and lots of gatherings where people were not masking. Um, granted, I guess that was before the mandate went in place, um, but still I think that um, we could be doing a lot better in terms of adhering to, to the mandate. And we did see a spike in the numbers of cases. Dr. Bruce Anderson, the health director, he said that controlling the spread of the virus requires everyone to wear a face covering, whether out and avoid crowded places, close spaces, and close contact with those outside of their household. And on Tuesday this week, as we saw that spike, Anderson addressed the addition and the need for restrictions. Over the last week or so, we've seen case numbers range from teens up to today, 41. And I would be willing to bet we're going to see continued numbers in that range. So don't be surprised if we do. I think we can manage those numbers very well. We are so far. But that's going to be depending on how people behave and if they drop their guard and they continue to uh, ignore some of the social distancing, we're going to see more cases. It's happening right now in many states, and they're seeing the consequence of that. And Sherry, uh, you know, we had talked uh, just, I think, before the retail uh, stores were opening up. What are you hearing back from your members? Yeah, you know, obviously small and local companies are hurting still, even with the reopening of our economy. Uh, specifically the Kama'aina economy. And, you know, we are, as a community, we want to support and maintain fabric of our small businesses. And that's why we support the mandate of the mask, because we believe mask saves lives and businesses. Uh, you know, with a mandate, it provides clear guidance in terms of what is expected, because Previous to that, we heard from businesses where customers uh, 
many, some of them will be disgruntled, not wanting to wear masks and physically harm the employees. And that's the last thing we want to happen. Uh, so at least this provides a policy that a mask must be worn. And in order to save businesses, we encourage masks to be worn because that's the only way that business can continue to operate so that we can mitigate the increase in cases. And I think everybody was feeling pretty good when we had zero cases, you know, for for several days. And then to see that spike was just kind of like a, a very sobering, like we've got to really be careful if we want to keep our economy open. Absolutely. I think each and every one of us should be held accountable and wear a mask, practice physical distancing, uh, have those uh, safe, health and safety protocols um, in place uh, so that together we can keep our economy going. Because if another shutdown occurs, the impact will be that much more devastating. And I truly don't think many businesses will be able to survive uh, and be able to sustain their operations. And when that happens, obviously jobs are lost uh, and we cannot afford that. You know, Kauai, I think, was the first county to make the mask mandatory. And this past weekend, police there arrested a kapa'a man at the Kilauea market for refusing to wear a mask and who later, I think, had threatened to come back with a gun. He faces felony charges, and I think we'll be back in court in September. Uh, we were able to reach Mayor Derek Kawakami this morning. Here's what he had to say about masking and enforcement. If things escalate to a level where it's unsafe, we urge everyone to call our police department. They are our law enforcement officers. Businesses themselves should make sure their employees are wearing masks. And I'll tell you, I came from the private sector, and we were in the food industry, and we did everything we could to protect the health and safety of our customers. Now, if businesses are confused as to why they need to have their employees wearing masks, well, for a customer like me, if I come into your business and I've been a lifelong customer and, you know, I see people during a pandemic not wearing a mask or feeling it's not necessary, I mean, basically what it's telling me is they don't care about me. Like, they just want my money. And so I hope it's very clear to businesses that from a customer service standpoint, um, caring for their health and safety and have, making sure they don't get sick in my establishment should be a top priority. I know it's an inconvenience at times, but it is best practices and it's relatively simple way to be able to coexist with this virus. And Chief, you know, what's a snapshot here in Hawaii? What have you folks been seeing this last week? You know, basically our, our perspective is to try and gain uh, compliance. We want people to fly with the law and we want them to uh, do it of their own volition. Take, take that responsibility. Um, we have received a couple of complaints, and uh, like Mayor Kawakami was saying, we are the law enforcement uh, branch for the island of Oahu. Uh, we will respond to all calls and address them appropriately. Uh, again, um, there are, we can't be out there just um, telling people to wear a mask and taking enforcement action. There are some uh, outs that the people have. There are, you know, if you ha do have medical uh, uh, issues that you can't wear a mask or you have difficulty breathing or the age limitation. Uh, we can't just be approaching people to tell them put on a mask or else. So uh, we're pretty much responding at this point or educating people and asking them for their compliance. But it hasn't, so far it hasn't been a big issue for us. Uh, we haven't gotten very many complaints. 
you know, I, I have to say, you know, even when there were large gatherings at the, the protests that we saw with the Black Lives Matter, and I got stuck in the traffic along Kapiolani, and so I saw most of the march, and there were just, uh, I think most people were in compliance. There were very few people that were not wearing masks. Yeah. So so here in Hawaii, yeah, there there's more kokua, I think. Mm-hmm. I did happen to see, though, Chief. I think on uh, on social media, uh, it was stolen stolen uh, stuff, Hawaii, that uh, somebody was was uh, giving kudos to HBD because they had a situation in their store where they couldn't handle, and they called your officers and they mm-hmm. came. Yes, yes, and and, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to respond, and again, we're going to try to gain that compliance. We're going to ask the person to comply. We're going to warn them. Then we're going to take action, either through citation or arrest from there. Now, you may see that people do get arrested for this violation, but normally it's going to be uh, in conjunction with other crimes. Uh, they weren't wearing a mask. They, were, uh, they weren't abiding by other sections of the 127 uh, section, uh, but they were arrested for shoplifting or trespass or burglary or some other kind of case. Or even cases sometimes where uh, when we had done some earlier research, we found that uh, people would call of suspicious circumstances, people lurking around in the area. And when we found them, uh, they were cited or arrested for these type of violations. And so uh, I know a, no- a number of stores do have security. And I've been actually kind of appalled as I've watched to see what's been going on on the mainland, how physical some of these um, confrontations have gotten. Yes. Uh, we, we haven't had, I haven't seen that problem here Uh there was a video I saw posted recently of a, a shoplifter running to a car uh, in Hiala Moana Center. Uh, but we, you know, we, we've had that shoplifting thing, but uh, I, we haven't had any calls regarding the 127 violations in that respect. And Sherry, what are you hearing from your members? Uh, you know, I, uh, similar to what Dr. Uh, Amori said, it hasn't escalated to the level of the mainland. And we hope it doesn't. Uh, we're just hearing right now here and there that there's some customers that don't want to wear masks. Um, but again, as I mentioned earlier, there have been a few cases where there were disgruntled customers and uh, the employees were uh, in a situation that uh, was difficult um, because, you know, before the mandate uh, that Mayor Caldwell implemented, um, we didn't know, I guess business didn't know how to manage that, but with the mandate, I think it helps situation, but because it is required now. Um, but we do hope that we continue to uh, respect wearing masks. Uh, and our, what we want to ensure also as the tourism industry reopens and visitors start to arrive in Hawaii, that they understand the mandate of wearing masks and hopefully um, they will comply and um, uh, be respectful in terms of the laws here. You know, I, I know, Chief, in the one a video that I saw online yesterday, I think, uh, you know, there there were folks that were saying, you know, we offered, you know, the, uh, the man alternatives, you know, a mask or we will do your shopping for you. What is it that you need? And, you know, that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, I guess I, I kind of wonder, yeah, you know, what's going to happen when the visitors come if let's say they come from an area where masks are not mandatory. And, you know, we, we were in a conversation with the governor and the four county mayors yesterday, and uh, it's things like that that uh, was the topic. That conversation is com- uh, 
continuing again today, but the idea is we want to make sure that the tourists, when they do arrive, are in compliance, not only with the pre-testing, but uh, with the mask and the other uh, mandates that have been issued throughout the island. Uh, we don't, you know, going back to what Sherry was saying too, uh, we don't want to, like the, the businesses, we have to have a relationship with the people both now and after this COVID thing is over. We want to get their compliance. We want them to do what, what's necessary to protect all of us. We don't want to get uh, back in a uh, shutdown again. So, I mean, we're really asking the public to comply and trying to keep it that way rather than having to be uh, a Gestapo uh, police force where we're out there citing everybody for every little violation. And I think, too, uh, you know, when this mandate became um, came down, I think the mayor, you know, was I, I don't think he wanted to, to to put all the burden on on HPD. You know, HPD, I know, is, is shorthanded. You've got, you know, serious crimes to tackle. Uh, but there are also things like with the violations of the 14 day quarantine, you know, I think where you folks have had to be task to deal with some of those situations yes you, you know the, these executive orders all have problems with it the 14-day mandatory quarantine who once they're out of the airport who is it we, we can't identify them they're not you know they don't have the letter or the number 14 sewn on their shirts or blouses um, we can't just approach people and ask them are you a tourist or are you a returning resident so again we rely on the public to tell us uh, and most of the arrests that have been made, I know uh, mostly through what we've done, have been in connection with other crimes or other contacts. And I believe most of the cases with the Attorney General's office were made with referrals from other citizens that these people were in violation. But it is a problem. It's a problem for us for enforcement. And do you think it's going to get worse just as more people come in? As the numbers increase, it'll definitely get worse, yes. We do have a question that was emailed to us, Virginia on the Big Island. Um, she says, how is the $5,000 fine or up to a year in jail for not wearing a mask enforced? Is it up to the individual or to the business that allows this behavior? No, no the crime for violating the executive orders is, is comes, comes under the Section 127A in the Hawaii Revised Statutes. Uh, as law enforcement, we, we have the discretion to either cite or arrest in these cases. They're both the same thing. The court would adjudicate the case by finding them guilty or not guilty, and if they're found guilty, the penalty could be up to $5,000 or a year in jail. To your knowledge, has there been anybody that's gone through the process for any violation? I, the courts have pretty much been shut down, and I know that they actually... Um, dismissed a bunch of the early citations um, for procedural errors. And, you know, we were feeling our way out to this thing as much as anybody else on the beginning. Um, but I don't know of any that have been adjudicated to that point yet. Okay. Well, uh, if you are just joining us, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Our guests in our studio are Sherry Menor McNamara uh, with the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, Honolulu's Deputy Police Chief John McCarthy, and Dr. Jill Omori, uh, who serves as the infectious disease officer for the city and county. Uh, if you want to join in our conversation, please call us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Um, Sherry, I, I'm just kind of curious if uh, the businesses are doing anything else as they gear up for uh, the August 1st uh, lifting of trans, you know, Pacific flights. And I, I know, you know, uh, uh, Chief, you mentioned that 
the mayors are still be are still talking today with the governor about whether yeah. that is going to be the date because there are calls both ways to hold off. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. So, Sherry, you know what? What can you tell us? Well, first and foremost, the health and safety of employees, as well as customers and clients, is the utmost uh, importance. Obviously, uh, with that said, uh, every day that goes by, it makes it that much more challenging for business to remain open and to sustain their operations, and. A few months ago, we did a survey with Uhiro, and it indicated that many of these businesses, about 40%, could not reopen until tourism reopened. Uh, so when the August 1st date was announced, many of them started the preparation period from the hotels down to the retail store that's connected to tourism uh, and restaurants as well. Uh, and with that preparation period comes costs. Uh, so if the date does move back, then that will mean that many businesses, uh, we will see many businesses uh, close for good. Uh, we've been seeing it already in the papers, in the news. This business is closed. This mom-and-pop store has shut down. Uh, and unfortunately, we'll see more of that. Uh, and at the same time, recognize that the health and safety of our people is of the most important. And that's why uh, it's important these businesses equates to wearing your mask. I mean, that's the way we can protect our people. Uh, and so it, if we really want to preserve the fabric of our communities and the livelihood of our communities and these jobs, uh, we cannot stress enough the need for uh, our people to wear masks, uh, practice the physical distancing, and just be aware of your environment and the situation so that we can protect one another. And Dr. Omori, I'm not sure what conversations you've been involved with uh, when it comes to letting the visitors know that, you know, we have a pretty strict um, order in place now, you know, with the mandatory masks. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been in any of those conversations with um, uh, with the state about that, but I do know that they have been emphasizing that um, as part of the opening up um, that they would have to emphasize to anybody coming in that there is um, going to be uh, mandatory masking. So hopefully they'll comply. <laughs> right. And, and, and I would think, Sherry, that the businesses would maybe have some on hand if someone needed to walk in. I think I did see that at a couple of stores at a, at a mall recently. Yeah. I, many businesses that I've seen so far have um, prepared and implemented the health and safety protocols by having extra masks, by having sanitizers and other um, protocols. Uh, so that's in place. Um, what can be challenging, too, though, at some times when you talk about the statewide situation, um, businesses has been, you know, the, a major challenge to businesses have been the shifting patchwork of regulations in different counties. Uh, and so there's not one consistent policy. So when visitors come and they decide to stay in Waikiki, there's one policy, but they go to a different island, is it the same policy? Uh, so that's something we hope will be ad- addressed because, if anything, we need consistency and certainty. Um, and additionally, you know, as visitors come in, we want to make sure it's clearly communicated to them. Uh, and there needs to be an effective public information campaign 
that what are the requirements. And um, this needs to be done, in, communicated even pre-arrival. Uh, and, I, you know, I would think that the airlines would um, be able to um, make or travel agencies or, you know, however they book their tickets is to inform these visitors as uh, they come in. But even upon arrival, making it clear that this is the policy. Right. The messaging's, yeah, got to be clear for, for everybody. Absolutely. We do have a shy caller from Oahu. Um, question is, if there's a business where employees are not wearing a mask, is there a number to call to report them? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows about that, hmm. Chief? The only thing you can do is call 911. We'll, we will send an officer to any complaint that we get on this uh, subject, or any subject for that matter. And then um, the officers have, will go and assess the situation and take the appropriate action. Okay. Have you had to do that as far as you know? We've had calls prior uh, about other things, and it's been we've been very good uh, and lucky dealing with the people about it, educating them that they have to wear a mask or that they have to comply with this order or that portion of the order. Um, uh, very early on, we had uh, quite a few businesses. You know, there's a lot of problems. This is actually a very new area for all of us. Um, not only are these laws implemented through executive order and, um, you know, they're not on the book, so to speak, but something that comes out in print or mainly through the media to notify the public. Uh, but also uh, there's multi-jurisdictional issues. Sherry mentioned uh, the traveling from county to county and each county having regulations. Uh, dealing with the airport and air travel, you have the federal involved as well with their jurisdiction uh, with flight travel. And then again, you know, you, you fly on a plane under federal authority, you land at an airport under state authority, and then enter the city and county wherever you're located. So it, it poses a lot of problems. Uh, it posed a lot of problems for us. I can imagine the confusion on the part of the public and the businesses. So have you been involved in these meetings with the mayors and the governor? Uh, the police department? Yes. Or you yourself? Uh, we have been on some, and we've been let out. We've actually learned from the news uh, reports on other decisions okay. they made. We've asked to be involved as much as possible because we have to be the ones to enforce. We need to understand, and we also need to relate to them the problems with enforcing some of these things. All right, and, and uh, I know, like you mentioned, there's uh, going to be another meeting this afternoon, and, and we'll see what comes of that because just yes. things change so fast. Exactly. You know, based on what's happening, not just in our state, but across the country and across the right. world. Right. Well, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. You can join our discussion about masks by calling 941-3689. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a short break. Even when your days shift and change, some things don't. Like HPR keeping you informed with news you can trust and providing an oasis of music when you need it. So stick with your routine and stay connected at home. Listen to HPR on air, online, or on your smart speaker. Whether you're working in your street clothes or in your pajamas, HPR is here for you. Just ask your smart speaker to play Hawaii Public Radio. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, reopening with safety in mind on July 16th, offering reconnections to the art, courtyards, and the museum community with new weekend evening hours. HonoluluMuseum.org.
You are back with the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Today we're talking about masks. And we had a shy caller who has a question, uh, and maybe this is for Dr. Mori. Can you address the proper way to wear a mask? People don't seem to be wearing them the right way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do see a lot of people who are wearing it, and then the mask is kind of pulled down below their nose. And, you know, that certainly is not okay. <laughs> so you want to make sure that the mask is fully covering the nose and the mouth. It really should be tucked under the chin, if possible. And it should extend, um, you know, to uh, the side of the face. And so, um, you know, it should probably extend um, a fair amount to uh, the edge of the face, if possible. Um, but definitely it needs to cover both the nose and the mouth. And there should be a, um, it should be fairly close to the face. So if it's kind of puffing out, then that's not good as well. And can you clarify about the shields? Because I'm seeing more and more of those shields, uh, you know, people wearing them, and some wear them with masks, some wear them just by themselves. Yeah, so face shields by themselves without masks are not equivalent to the protection that you would get in wearing a mask uh, in terms of uh, spreading as well as uh, receiving the virus. Um, if you're using it with, um, with a face mask, then that's, that's good. It provides eye protection as well um, because you can, um, you know, in theory, contract the virus through your, the lining of your eye. Um, but if you're wearing it instead of a face mask, it's not, it's not equivalent. And so I do know that some people that, um, you know, say that they have a hard time wearing masks if for a medical reason or, um, or whatnot, um, they choose to wear a face shield. And so it is better than nothing, um, but people should not, people that can wear masks uh, should not be wearing face shields. Okay, so technically, though, the mayor's order, does that mean a shield is okay? No, no, unless they have a medical condition or another exemption from wearing a facial covering, it has to be, it cannot be a face shield. Okay, all right, no, that's interesting, okay, because, yeah. On the subject, sorry to interrupt, Mm -hmm. but uh, the order is very specific that it has to cover the nose and mouth and that the mask cannot have any holes as well. Uh, Some of the masks, some people uh, we saw recently have a mask that has design slits in it for uh, opening and easier breathing, and those aren't allowed either. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we do have a call on the line. Uh, Seth from Oahu. Good morning. Good morning. This is Sandy. Oh, Sandy. Okay. Sorry. Is this the talkback line? Yes. Well, 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 you have a question about tourism? Uh, I have a question about the mandatory quarantine, having been a returning resident who did the 14-day quarantine, and nobody monitored me after nine days, and that is not good. Okay, and so your concern is a a follow-up, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Who wants to take that? I guess I'll take it because I'm probably most familiar, but... Uh, everybody coming into the state, unless you're an exempt, there are exempt categories, uh, are followed up on with at least a few phone calls by the, uh, I believe it's the Hawaii Tourism Authority and their contract. Uh, they don't call for the entire 14 days. They will call periodically. And um, it's just because it's a numbers, it's a logistics thing. So they're calling. If they see discretions, they note that, and there's some sort of follow-up on their end. Uh, to take care of that. So it, it, 
actually on them, and they will notify either the attorney general's office or the police if there's a problem with uh, contacting people. I am aware that the yeah the state is stepping things up. I think initially when we were starting this, it was uh, you know. Uh, you know, mistakes are probably made, right? We, we didn't get the numbers and check the numbers right there on the spot, and so they've tightened things up mm-hmm. as we've yes. learned along the way. Uh, and uh, 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 I, you know, heard that uh, pretty much when they follow up with residents now that uh, the residents are, are complying and they're happy to know that that somebody's on it at least and they're not just falling through the cracks. That's, that's true. Um, the feedback we get is people are happy to be called, but there's also people that still continually violate and we get calls on. So it's it, this debate, whether it's the tourists or whether it's the residents that are violating more. Okay. Uh, we do have Seth on the line now. Uh, Seth, you had a question about tourism? Yes, Catherine. Uh, my question was a few minutes ago, there's, the discussion was uh, touching on informing the tourists as they come. I know anytime I fly, at the end of my flight, uh, the in-flight entertainment is interrupted and there's a pre-recorded message of some sort that plays generally from the airline. Uh, what would be the possibility of incorporating in kind of a public safety announcement explaining what the requirements are going to be on the island into that kind of pre-recorded message? You know, having been involved in the meetings, I think that's one of the big subjects of discussion is finalizing what needs to be done. And I know that the travel industry is bending over backwards to try and get the message out. So they'll probably incorporate that or whatever they need to do to get the message across. Yeah, I think the airlines want to get back in business, but they do want to do it safely and uh, help keep the economy open and not have to deal with another closure. Exactly. You know, we have been uh, reaching out to schools across the state over the last several weeks to understand what will be expected as far as face coverings and masks. And, uh, you know, on, on our show, we did air an interview um, last month with a mother of two. Uh, who have, she has students at uh, Punahou. Kimberly Haynes wrote to lawmakers and health and education officials questioning if we were ready to reopen schools. She pushed back on the idea of requiring students to wear a mask all day long, noting that she has one son who is asthmatic. You know, you got to look at the science behind this, too. At New England Journal of Medicine, we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from infection. Journal of American Medical Association, face masks should not be worn by healthy individuals to protect themselves from acquiring respiratory infection because there is no evidence to suggest that face masks worn by healthy individuals are effective in preventing people from becoming ill. That was in March. New England Journal of Medicine just recently came out. I don't have the date in front of me. You know, World Health Organization, everybody's saying, even Sarah Park, Dr. Sarah Park, our state epidemiologist, in the very beginning said she, she doesn't think that healthy people should wear masks. But again, for me, my biggest concern is that prolonged mask wearing from, by my child is going to actually increase his risk of respiratory infection, hypoxia, um, other types of illnesses like um, you know headaches and anxiety and brain fog, it, it's going to interfere with learning. So there's a lot of cons to look at when you're doing a risk-benefit analysis. 
And, you know, we received a number of uh, letters and calls from listeners that uh, disputed her claims. One of them was Dr. Elizabeth Kiefer, an internal medicine physician at the University of Hawaii's uh, School of Medicine. She has a master's degree in epidemiology. She's also the mother of two children at Punahou, and she wanted to directly respond to some of those arguments made by Haynes. To be clear, both the CDC and WHO recommend cloth face masks in public settings as part of a comprehensive approach to slow COVID-19. It's confusing because early in the epidemic, they did not recommend this. Now, the CDC recommends that everyone should wear cloth face coverings in public settings and that COVID-19 can be spread by people who do not have symptoms and do not know that they are infected. This is from their website updated June 28th, and it's based on evidence that masks reduce the spray of droplets. The CDC also clearly states that masks should not be worn by kids under the age of two and should not be worn by those experiencing respiratory difficulties, including asthma. I also want to reiterate that there's no evidence for healthy people that surgical or cloth masks cause hypoxia, which is low oxygen. As for the WHO, there's a June 5th publication on their website where they acknowledge that they don't have all the high quality data, but that for healthy people, taking into account all of the available evidence and observations from countries who widely use masks, they advise governments to encourage the general public to wear masks in specific situations, like being indoors for a prolonged period of time or being in a situation where you're not able to stay six feet apart, like a classroom. The JAMA and New England Journal articles that the caller mentions were from early spring, and both had follow-up articles updating and explaining their positions to endorse face masks for healthy people to prevent asymptomatic spread of coronavirus. And Dr. Omori, I, I think you, you and I talked about this, is that the information is changing so fast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that people really need to take into consideration, that this, this virus is brand new, right? And we are getting um, information, new information all the time, sometimes daily. And so a recommendation that might have been made in March or April, you know, may be outdated. And they were, they were basing those recommendations on the best information that they had at that time. And, you know, with uh, you know, with all of the studies that are going on, it's good that we are getting new and updated information. And all of the information to date now says that there is significant benefit from masking. And we, you know, both the WHO and the CDC do recommend uh, facial coverings. And um, so I think to say that, well, they didn't say that before and now they're saying it, you know, that's not a good excuse not to follow the new evidence. And we have seen in Asia where they battled SARS and were used to wearing masks. Uh, you know, they have a kind of a different take on it. They're saying masks really uh, show that you care about the other person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think, you know, that that's one thing that we really have to emphasize, that it's not just about protecting you when you're wearing a mask. It's, it's more so about protecting everybody around you. And if everybody does it, then, you know, everybody will be protected. And, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, if if everybody masks appropriately, um, that will be more effective than shutting everything down. And, you know, and if we want to have an open economy, then everybody's going to have to do their part and pitch in and mask up. Okay, we have a couple of emails. Uh, One from Lynn in Honolulu. 
The mayor has said that runners and bikers don't need to wear face masks uh, unless in situations where social distancing is not possible. I have walked around Kapitolani Park and had massless joggers blow right by my shoulder, sweating and breathing hard. Anthony Fauci, who is a runner, has stated he takes a mask with him. If he's not around people, he doesn't wear it. If he approaches anyone, he slips it on until the situation changes. Sweat and breath droplets are emanating from these people. I think we need more specific guidance on this. I don't know, Dr. Omori? Yeah, so, I mean, casual, like, if you're just passing by somebody, um, even if, you know, you, they don't have a mask and you don't have a mask, that is not something that you have to be too concerned about. It's more prolonged uh, interaction uh, within a six-foot radius of someone without a mask. And so, you know, if you're just kind of jogging next to them, jogging by them, um, like, if, if definitely if you're jogging side by side for a prolonged period of time, then, yes, I would either recommend that you don't do that, like you separate out uh, six feet apart from each other, or you wear a mask. And I do know it's very, very difficult for people to exercise um, and wear a mask. And so I think the, the best thing to do is to, you know, make sure that you're, um, if you are next to people while exercising, that you remain six feet apart. And um, if you can't do that, then, yeah, I think uh, if possible, they should be wearing masks. Okay, and then another one from Katie uh, in Hilo. Uh, recently, I observed a couple of individuals shopping who once inside, inside establishments pulled their bandana scarves down. When I reported this to the uh, manager, they said uh, there was nothing they could do. Uh, you don't want to cause a big scene with these people that are noncompliant. What do stores do? Is training being provided to staff to deal with these situations, especially with opening up to mainland travelers? Uh, Sherry? I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier, the consistency of regulations across the counties. Uh, you know, I, to the extent possible, I, you know, I, I think it goes both ways. So I think businesses uh, are doing the best to implement, or they are implementing health and safety pro protocols that are required. Uh, and, you know, I think with the, there needs to be proper training as well that the employers and, you know, making sure that employees know what to do when they observe a person without a mask. So hopefully that's in place, but we have to understand, okay, what is the policy for that specific island? Uh, you know, I think that just makes it um, less difficult of, to confront a customer in that sense. Uh, and, you know, if a business is not implementing health and safety protocols, I think we've seen social media and uh highlight some of those businesses so it's really incumbent on the businesses to um, ensure that they implement these protocols to its highest standard but it just goes back to think to avoid these type of situations that there's consistency across the state as to what is required okay we have uh, another caller uh, this time from the big island uh, you're on the air hi thanks for taking my call I have uh, one question is that I've seen a number of people with face shields, glass shields uh, in place of a respirator. I don't know if the health department, public health officials made it clear that that's not an acceptable replacement, that they do not, they're not equivalent. That's in addition to the face, to the respirator, but not in place of a respirator. That's number one. And number two, I know that there are some beaches here in the Big Island where locals congregate without masks, without social distancing, probably 50 to 100 people at a time, and uh, it seems rather hip 
hypocritical to be so strict with visitors and tourists and yet let locals Okay, thank you for that. I don't know, Chief, I know that's not your county, but uh, I'm sure the situation happens here. Uh, again, it, you know, when you see these violations, call 911. I mean, we're going to do the best we can, again, to gain that compliance. If not, we'll take action. We'll, uh, we'll have a complaint. We may ask you to write a statement for us because not that we want you to, you know, out yourself or anything, but it's going to help us get the case into court and get adjudicated properly. Um, and I think that goes for all the islands. Um, they're go they're going to respond. You know, we can't be everywhere every time. And as you pointed out earlier, we're actually focusing on crime. We've got robberies. We've got other things happening out there. Uh, we can't be focus focusing on wearing masks or being at which business is open or when, but we will respond to those cases. Okay. And we have another call this time from Maui. Lloyd, what's your question? Hi, thank you for accepting me. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, the, of course, this conversation on masks is very important <clears throat> because our national government had uh, been so lax in discussing it in a serious way for so long. Now we understand what we have to do. But the conversation is also talking about people coming in and landing and not uh, being strict with their quarantine. And now we're talking about calling 911 when we see people without masks as a way to perhaps help. And I would like to suggest that all the people on this committee and this radio station think about what we can do so that when people travel here, not only are they given instructions on wearing masks, but there's some kind of a registration that, that then gets stamped when they, when they, when they finish their quarantine that can be shown to anyone that they went through the quarantine. This would put the responsibility on the visitors or the people flying in, not on the police or not on the citizens for having to police for the police. What are your thoughts? Well, who wants to take that? Chief? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I could barely hear the question. Yeah, I couldn't hear. I think he's just hear. concerned, you know, to make sure that the, the folks that say are in quarantine, you know, stay in quarantine. You know, what can we do to, to make sure that they're following the rules? You know, uh, there's a lot of discussion, again, and this has been going on early on about the opening. Uh, whose burden and whose responsibility is it? The hotels have been brought into the conversation. Uh, it's, it's just a tough one. Uh, we're checking, but there's no quarantine police per se. Uh, and they're trying to do the best they can, and they're trying to tighten up those rules now. Uh, like you said, even at the airport, when people first came in, uh, they could have claimed that their name was Mickey Mouse and their phone number was 123, and they got past the airport. That Things have changed. The airport has really tightened up that procedure now, and uh, they're working on a final digitized form uh, to be ready by August 1st. So, uh, uh, again, uh, just as much as the virus changes, so are we in our response. I know it. The last news conference, I believe, uh, Bruce Anderson talked about an app that they were going to be using, and I don't know much about that. Uh, anybody heard? There is an app that is used that uh, you can, the tourist or the, whoever's using the app can actually be tracked and checked in on, um, but the problem is we can't force anybody. That was a legal discussion that was brought up. We can't force people to download the app and use the app. We're we ask that they do or suggest that they do, and it makes it a lot easier to track, but 
we, they can't be forced to do it. Okay, and then we did have another question uh, that was sent in by Katie from Hilo as far as the appropriate mask for our safety with the information coming out that the virus is uh, airborne. Do cotton masks afford enough protection? I guess the homemade mask. I don't know, Dr. Amori, do you know about that? So, um, you know, right now they're, they're um, you know, based on CDC, you know, they're saying any facial covering is good. Certainly there are certain types of masks that are better. Um, so, like, surgical-grade masks are better protection in terms of um, getting a virus, and that's why we are, you know, we try to save those for healthcare providers and first responders who are at the highest risk of being um, in contact with individuals that actually have COVID. Um, the, if you look at the WHO guidelines, they do recommend a three-layered mask. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't know the exact three layers, but if you look it up on their website, they have exactly what the um, what it should be. The, I think their outer layer is they're recommending is some kind of um, water-resistant type of material. Um, then there's an inner kind of more filtery layer and then a moisture-wicking layer on the inside. Um, so they do recommend a three-layer mask. They also do recommend for elderly people that they actually wear a medical grade mask, so surgical mask instead of a cloth mask. So if you're really high risk um, or if you're immunosuppressed or anything, then um, the recommendation is that you wear a medical mask. You know, I know I have a variety of masks. I keep some surgical masks in the car. I have something that I wear around my neck uh, when I'm at work. Uh, I have a cloth mask. Uh, so some of it, it, you know, well, each of those masks are... Uh, I guess offer a certain amount of protection and and also kind of restrict you know your ability to breathe because some are heavier than others. Uh, but I, it's an adjustment, you know, trying to find one that works for whatever situation, whether you're out running, and exercising, or in the office. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think you know, I just as a as a physician, and uh, you know, I have many friends that are physicians, and you know, I'd like just like to remind people that doctors have to wear masks like all day, all the time, and you know, they don't have the luxury of taking it off when they, you know, when they are by themselves or you know things like that, and um, and and you know, they you get you get used to it. I mean, nobody wants to have to wear a mask all the time, but and you know, it's uncomfortable or things. And I I am a proponent of trying to, you know, find times where you can take a mask break, but you have to do it responsibly. You have to find a time when you're not around other people and it's an appropriate time not to have your mask on. Um, but when you're around other people, I think we just need to get in the habit of always wearing masks. Someone I know said that they keep a surgical mask in their car and they figured, you know, it's sitting in a car and it's heated temperatures and it would kill off any germs. I don't know. <laughs> Is that sound? Um, <laughs> so actually, I do that myself. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't keep my surgical mask for, you know, like probably longer than a week. But if I only use it for short periods of time, I do kind of just leave it on my dashboard and, um, you know, the UV rays kind of kind of work at it. And, and actually, you know, the virus um, over time also, you know, dies. And so it's probably okay. I wouldn't reuse it um, like a lot of times to, to where the mask is sort of degrading and things like that. But you could probably reuse a, 
a surgical mask a few times by just kind of, you know, putting it on your dashboard. Okay. You know, it's interesting with the pushback with masks. Uh, it's nothing new. Um, a, a friend flagged me to the, the uh, Spanish flu of 1918, mm-hmm. and they had an anti-mask brigade in San Francisco that pushed back against using, at the time, I think it was gauze masks, which are not very efficient. Yeah. <laughs> at that time, they thought it was, you know, they would do the trick. So as far as, as masks, I know the concern is keeping those N95s for the healthcare workers, where they need to have that extra layer of protection. Yes. Yeah, so definitely um, we should not be wearing N95s out in the public. Um, you know, I think that wearing surgical masks is fine because now there's not as much of a shortage um, as there was in the beginning. And, you know, if you just go to Long's, there's there's a ample supply right now of um, medical masks. And so I think that's fine. But N95s are still very highly sought after, and we really do need to reserve that for our healthcare providers. Okay, well, we're just about running out of time. Any final thoughts, Sherry? Uh, just uh, to circle back to what I mentioned earlier, that uh, let's save our local and small businesses, and to do that, uh, wear our masks, practice physical distancing, and really support each other during this uncertain times because uh, we really cannot afford another shutdown. Uh, and so let's work collaboratively in ensuring that we can move our economy forward. And Chief? Yeah, I just want to thank Sherry for, for everything she does there. Our economy does need to open. I do want to send a big shout-out, big mahalo to Dr. Omori. I have to call her occasionally and what she does for our department and the city and county to keep it going, to keep the uh, county going is just tremendous. She's very patient and always there for us and always has good, solid advice. And lastly, everybody wear a mask when you can. I mean, do what we, we all have to do to get through this thing. Okay, all right. And we know when it's an adjustment, uh, and uh, we are in this together, and if we can just be a little bit more, I guess, considerate and kind, uh, you know, we're all, we're all struggling with this, uh, with this crisis. So hopefully uh, we will get through this, right? We will get through this. We would like to thank our guests, Honolulu's Deputy Police Chief John McCarthy, Dr. Jill O'Mori, Infectious Disease Officer for the City and County of Honolulu, and Sherry Minor McNamara with the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. And mahalo to all of our listeners for tuning in. We do welcome your feedback. Call our Talkback line, 808-792-8217. Email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And join us tomorrow for an Aloha Friday program dedicated to arts and culture, hosted by HPR's Noe Tanagawa. I'm Catherine Cruz. Have a great weekend.